Hey everyone, thanks uh, for joining this week. We uh, we at Techonomics are, are looking forward to introducing our first episode. Uh, so really excited about that. Um, just a few uh, cleanup things as we as we kick things off here. We're going to have a biweekly cadence, so Rune and I will come to you each week. Uh, our format is going to be, um, you know, on the order of anywhere from uh, 20 to potentially an hour. We're, we're still working out the format there, but um, hopefully it'll be a little bit more bite-sized for, for folks to, to take a listen to um, every other week as new topics come up. Um, so anyways, getting that out of the way, uh, welcome to Techonomics again. Uh, you know, Arun and I um, have been talking and I've been writing a lot um, uh, through the Techonomics blog. And so for those of you who haven't seen that, you can go to techonomics.news to, to look at any of the writing that has come out recently. But um, you know, as we were we were having those um, discussions, and as I was talking to others in the industry, I felt like, wow, like there's some really interesting pieces of, of information here. And um, looking at the news that was coming out, I was having a lot of thoughts around it. And I thought, you know, what better format than writing to to share that with with folks? Um, and so, um, not only does it allow me to piece together my thoughts and put put those forward, but you know, hopefully, people like yourselves, like the listeners here, and as well as the um, folks that are reading Techonomics find find a lot of value in that and will continue to push forward. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just having a really good time doing it. And, uh, you know, this is just the extension of that now from an audio format perspective. Yeah. And uh, so how this all started was Jake would write these these great Techonomics newsletters. And then over LinkedIn, I would message him my, my idiotic thoughts every week. <laughs> and and through that this basically just came about that um the idea that we could have a podcast and so here we are um and so uh just going into our backgrounds yeah so um yeah we'll do a, a round of intros here so again my name is jake um i've been in the tech industry for a little over 10 years now um and so i've been across a bunch of different industries uh currently i'm working at stripe um which would be in the payments industry and the finance industry uh previously i worked in a biotech startup and then i worked at linkedin for for a number of different years previously before that there was a few startups but the majority of my time has been spent in the consumer industry and so um you know having a lot of uh, opinions recently on a lot of the uh, consumer antitrust discussions as well. Um, you know, that's sort of where my forte lands. Uh, Arun, what about you? Yeah, so I'm currently a product manager at Uber's Advanced Technologies Group, building the the future of transportation, driverless cars, for those of you who don't know. And previously, before that, I was at Lyft, and then I worked in mobile games for four years. So I've, I've seen it all. I've seen sort of the consumer side, and I've seen sort of like the more R&D side, and uh, in, in between mm -hmm. uh, was a product manager in the base ride hailing industry for a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So as far as, uh, what techonomics will offer, we really want to get to the intersection of business, the economy and technology. We want to talk about business strategies in tech. We want to talk about the regulation that affects it, broader topics like finance markets. And we really want to sort of piece together the news for you from both the tech side and the business side and tell you why it's important. And when we really think about what we're doing here, one of the things that really jumps out at me when I read a lot of news outlets is a lot of them will talk to you about tech. Uh, a lot of them will talk to you about finance, but very few are written by technologists who are interested in the business side. And we just think this is a really unique perspective. Generally, if you have technology skills, you aren't writing about it. And with that in mind, this week, we wanted to chat with you about the Airbnb and DoorDash IPOs and maybe talk about the definition of a tech company in the broader context of what's going on 
in terms of IPOs that have gone on in the past, what's going on now, and maybe even talk a little bit about um, what that's going to mean for us in the future as how we define what a tech company or a software company actually is. Yeah, and b- before we get to that as well, um, you know, as we're talking about these topics in our bi-weekly cadence, um, you know, as these episodes come out, it will seem like some of this is investment advice. We want to be very clear that it's not, right? Uh, as Arun and I are going through these topics, we're looking forward to giving our opinion on, on strategies that are coming through on how regulations impacting the broader industry and, you know, topics that, that fall into that line. But, um, you know, this is not a, a call to go and buy or sell any sort of positions on the equity markets or do any private investing. This is just, you know, merely for entertainment for, for both us as well as for, for the listeners here. So um, wanted to make that clear as well as the second point, which is, you know, uh, we do have employers and in our employers, we, we do not uh, represent their opinions. You know, these are Arun and I alone. Um, and so we think that they're good opinions and hope that, that you think so as well uh, as we move through week over week. Um, but uh, we'll have conversations um, more and more that uh, I think we'll dive into that. So um, with that uh, out of the way, um, you know, welcome to Techonomics for the third time uh, in this podcast. And we'll, we'll move into our first topic, which is the uh, recent IPOs. So um yeah, the, the, the first IPO uh, that I want to talk about, uh, obviously, there's two. There's DoorDash and, and Airbnb. I think um, there's also a third. We can go into that later, but we'll stick with those main two for now. Um, Airbnb had a stellar week uh, last week. And so when they went in IPO, they you know, had an initial uh, market cap in the private markets of around $30 billion. Um, before going into the pandem- pandemic, I think they sold uh, a private equity round or, or, you know, sold into the private markets um, and raised money there at around 18 billion. Um, and right now, I think, um, or at least, uh, I think today went down a little bit, but for the majority, they're hovering around, you know, anywhere from like 70 to $80 billion uh, in market cap, which, you know, that, that that's a large, a large increase from their initial uh, private rounds uh, at the beginning of this year. So Arun, I wanted to get your thoughts, you know, how, how are you thinking about that? Um, that's a pretty large increase. Yeah, it's it's an interesting IPO because it's the largest travel-related IPO ever. And when you compare it to other hotel chains like Marriott and Hilton, Marriott sits around uh, around forty billion, Hilton around you know, thirty billion, and you know Airbnb sort of has this sort of propertyless model. They're kind of the marketplace, and. Just comparing this on the revenue side, Airbnb's 2019 revenues, and you're taking pre-pandemic. I think it's really hard to, if you start looking at 2020 numbers. We're about 4.8 billion. Marriott brought in about, you know, 20 billion, and then Hilton last year about nine, call it 10 billion. And so, like, you kind of see normally sort of like a 10, a two to three multiplier revenue to valuation. Uh, Airbnb's crushing that with, you know, call it 19, 18 or 19x. And it, it does bring about a really interesting question, which is, does this sort of like propertyless model justify a really high multiplier? And mm-hmm. what what's you know what what is going on? And is that a big enough advantage to justify a much bigger multiplier? I do think that to some extent, it does buy you downside insurance because you don't have mm-hmm. the property itself. Uh, but you're, Upside is potentially limited in that mm-hmm. if you look at like hotel margins, it's on the range of like 30% per per night stay and Airbnb charges a 5 to 15% sort of fee on every booking. 
but you have no like from Airbnb's perspective, you don't have vacancies. Mm-hmm. So you have- you're not sitting. You're not sitting on lost money. It, it is all additive, right? It's all service fees. And so, yeah, exactly. And so you have to kind of see how how this plays out over time. But it's it just, it is a new paradigm in travel. It is a new paradigm to see something like this in the public markets. And there is a question as to is, is 18, 19, 20x like revenue when you don't hold properties the right the right size? Time will tell. The public markets in the long term are pretty good about figuring this stuff out. But there's some big questions here. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, you know, I, when I think about Airbnb's value, I, I also think about the volume of listings that they have, right? Um, like if we were to look not only at the market cap and, and the difference between the the current industry, which is, you know, the Marriott's, the Hilton's, the, the large players there, um, when you actually compare the number of accommodations that they have um, relative, you know, obviously a listing on Airbnb is not the same as a uh, a, a hotel room, right, that is owned and, and operated by those companies. But still, I mean, the, the outcome is the same. Someone can go on and book said reservation in whatever country or whatever they, um, city they want. We're looking at 7 million uh, hotel accommodations um, that are bookable on Airbnb versus, uh, you know, it looks at 1.4 million for Marriott, 1.1 million for Hilton, uh, just under a million for I, uh, IHG. And, you know, you have a long tail from there. Um, and I think that plays well into that model that you just talked about, which is like, they don't have that downside risk, but like their upside risk is made up for by the sheer volume of people that are there, they're tapping to do this. So like, they also don't have the upside risk of needing to like buy and build more property, right? Because that will inherently grow and scale with their model. And so I think that that's a lot of times, like when you see tech moving forward, tech companies specifically, you tend to see these multiples because of that um, you know, additional marginal growth. Yeah. And it's also interesting because Airbnb in some ways has also affected the other side of the market. So you have, you know, when you see these like two-sided marketplaces, you have sort of like the demand side, which is what most people are familiar with from just their own interactions with, you know, ordering DoorDash or something like that, which we'll get to in a mm-hmm. second. But there's always the supply side, which is uh, kind of like a different a, a sort of a yeah. animal. And the interesting thing is that Airbnb to some extent has even like affected property prices in certain areas because mm-hmm. that there's like an extra revenue stream they can get um, by, by basically renting their place out. And it, uh, it, uh, I do wonder if that is also like a long-term trend that in some ways actually hurts Airbnb because it's actually harder mm-hmm. to, like for a person to go out there, acquire supply because the housing market gets more expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, it's a really good question. Um, the demand for travel obviously is not there this year, uh, but will continue to increase, I'm sure, um, over time. And I think we're also seeing this in terms of just like the the atomic family in the 50s and how that relates to home ownership now, right? Yeah. Like home ownership now is like extremely hard for people. Um, a, a lot of different um, indus- or industries, right? Tech being one of them, finance in New York being another. Um, you know, you have these industries that are raking in large amounts of, of um, profit and giving it to their employees who are, you know, muscling other folks out of the market. I always wonder, like, this trend also relates to, like, property managers. So, like, 
we think about individuals renting their homes, but it's start, also starting to shift into uh, not just like you or me listing our apartments when we're gone to massive operations of multiple people owning and, and operating their own properties, almost like a sub hotel, just leveraging Airbnb as a platform just to create that supply for them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know we might be jumping the gun here a little bit, but I, I whenever I have this uh, discussion around Airbnb and, and, and the platform it's creating, um, you know, obviously there's inherent value in that. I, I always question, you know, their definition of, of what they are as a company. Yeah. Like, are they comparable to the Marriott's and Hilton's, right? Or do they fit somewhere in between? Or, you know, are they a technology company? You know, we're, we're talking about 20X multiples, right? Or whatever, 18 to 20X multiple yeah. that they have right now in terms of their forward-looking revenue. But like SaaS companies are what, out to like 50 uh, in, in the, the high case yeah. of like, you know, Zoom and whoever else. But, you know, well, Tesla's a different story. I think you're looking at what one. So some outrageous number, but like the majority of tech companies sit within that realm and a little bit higher um, of what we're seeing with Airbnb. And so like, you know, what is your, what is your thought there on, you know, in terms of the definition of what Airbnb is? Uh, it's a really good question. It's, it's definitely part tech company. It's certainly part, uh, if I really had to define it, I would say it is an operations company that is enabled by technology. Mm-hmm. And I think that applies to another IPO that happened uh, in the last week, and that's DoorDash. Yeah, should we dive into that? Yeah, yeah. let's let's have a chat about that too, because I think we're gonna we're gonna tie these things together in a moment. So we had we had a DoorDash IPO, and even uh, by some measures, some people called it the most ridiculous IPO of 2020. Uh, why ridiculous? It, it's not profitable. It has a lot of competition. And it is a great example of the pandemic sort of pulling demand f- forward. Uh, if you look at DoorDash's revenue in 2019, it was about $1 billion. They made almost that much just in quarter three of this year. Mm-hmm. And if you look at actual market share, they do have about 51% of the market, 50% of the market with everyone else in there, uh, including uh, Postmates, Grubhub, and a few others. And they have incredible sort of pandemic tailwinds and it's likely not sustainable. And it's not just the, it's not just the demand that's unsustainable, that's unsustainable. It's potentially also the labor costs that are unsustainable. And this is, this is kind of like a common theme between Airbnb and DoorDash is again, the supply side of the market. In the case of this DoorDash, the supply side is people who go out there and deliver uh, as well as the restaurants that are on it. And when you have a pandemic and you have a lot of people who are either out of work or are getting stimulus checks or and, and still are free to make money on the side, you find that sort of like the late like what you're paying for in labor is is dramatically is potentially dramatically lower. And this comes in the form of like incentives. This comes in the form of mm-hmm. like recruitment costs. So a lot of times, like in these, uh, in a lot of businesses, you start you talk about the post marketing margin. It was interesting about these sort of like sharing companies like Airbnb, DoorDash, is that the the marketing side actually has to happen on both sides of the economy. So you're buying mm-hmm. you're buying ads for demand, and you're sort of like you're buying ads for supply as well. And so yeah, trying to trying to coax drivers into into coming onto the platform, and and also like 
you know, not necessarily working with another platform like Postmates or, or whatever. Like it's different actually than Lyft and Uber who had been doing a little bit more of that, like sharing of, of that uh, initial driver supply. But you, you would know more about that than I would. Um, uh, but... I know more and probably shouldn't talk about it. The, uh, <laughs> uh, and so the, uh, Love it. Uh, but it, it's really interesting. And so like you have this, you have this huge IPO, how much of it is pandemic related, unclear. Yeah. Uh, and how much of it is Robinhood traders who like these brands, both Airbnb and DoorDash, and sort of like affecting these prices is another question in all of this. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, I have some some thoughts and opinions on, on, on that. I think <sighs> DoorDash always seemed... And, and and I've never really. It's not even just DoorDash. It's it's all the major players in the in the food delivery space. I've never quite understood the unit economics and like how it all fits together, right? Like the cost of a sale with the the restaurants, with yes, obviously the certain amount of cut that the platform takes for generating that business for the restaurant, um, and then you know having to pay these drivers out at the same time, you know putting that money on the consumer is starting to happen a little bit with these like larger fees when when it comes to these platforms, but like. Is it enough to make up for um, you know a, a decent living wage for for the delivery drivers over time? Well, it's being subsidized right now, right? So like they're in this growth subsidized mode, which is okay. We know that we are needing to grow. We know we need to corner the market in order to do that and beat out our other uh, competitors. We need to pay drivers and increase our supply side, like you were saying, um, as well as increase the demand side. So like they're just throwing money at this problem, and so like. That's what I believe that these investors are banking on is like, okay, we're down to give you this money and, you know, we want you to grow and grow and grow and grow and corner the market. Once the market's cornered, then, you know, we'll start to see profitability shifts and strategic shifts in the company to like, you know, either increase costs for the customers, increase costs for the restaurants or what have you. But like that marketplace is hard. It's like, you know, you have three sides, you have the consumer, you have the driver and you have the restaurant. It's like, that's not an easy thing to like figure out within the middle of that, who you're going to charge that, that price to make it seem like, you know, it, you're not taking money from those folks, but you're also generating profit on your end. Um, now in terms of like the Robinhood traders, I, yeah, I think we're, you're, you're spot on there. Um, I, I think that goes for Airbnb and DoorDash, by the way. Uh, I don't think that this is just DoorDash. I think these are big, big names with a lot of hype around them and, as they come out, there's a long tail of investors that have been getting into the markets with COVID and with the democratization of, of financial tools, like, you know, Robinhood, obviously clearly being one of them, but like you look across the board, there's TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, all these different companies have their own version of zero um, commission trading. And so you're starting totally. to see this more and more. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And really, when you start thinking about both these IPOs together, it's it's kind of interesting because it seems like you're paying forward for Airbnb. Uh, so if you believe in Airbnb and you believe right. in 20x, but you're paying for you're, you're you believe that in this post pandemic world they're going to crush. Yep. And if you're which is not a which is not a stupid bet, right? No. Like in my opinion, like that makes sense. People are going to travel more. They got lucky with long term rentals for the, the COVID market, but like eventually, I see travel. You know, if if we think about back pressure. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of back pressure right now. People want to get out. Uh, I know. I certainly do. So, like, uh, <laughs> so like you know, so you know, you're you're definitely looking. If you're if you're an Airbnb investor, you're looking forward. If you're a DoorDash mm -hmm. investor, are you looking backward? Is my question. 
And so are you looking sort of like at like sort of like a pandemic world where, you know, in a lot of places, just going to a restaurant is either risky or just not allowed. Right. And and you're sort of banking on that. You could also be banking on expansion to other things like grocery and, and, and whatnot. But I think. But is that enough? Yeah, it, it's it's like it's a definite question. And we it's something I guess we'll 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 see more and more. Uh, I'm guessing this is not the last of sort of like these types of companies to go public, but it does sort of beg the question, are they tech companies? And what is the definition of a tech company? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> we alluded on it a little bit with Airbnb. Um, when I think of, you said this earlier, you said that um, they were an operations company that was more tech focused or tech forward or, op, you know, I'm sorry. It was an operation company um, propped up by tech or some, yeah. some form of that. Um, I think I Airbnb has been an interesting case study for me because I've, I've been looking at it from the ground up of saying, OK, they have a bunch of engineers, a bunch of designers. They're a very product forward company. Um, but like at the end of the day, it they're in the travel and in hotel accommodations business, right? Yeah. But but I think the whole point of, of Airbnb being a platform that connects a marketplace rather than just a, you know, we we own the businesses that we or sorry, the um, rentals that we um, rent out. We have wait staff, we have, you know, people running the the um, accommodations. Like that doesn't exist. Yeah, it's almost like in the same way of like you know Lyft or Uber or um, any of these other marketplaces. I mean Shopify, like you know, people that are providing a platform for people to build on top of. Um, and I think that that is the one of the main reasons why I do think they edge more closely to a tech company than I actually think DoorDash does. I I, I think DoorDash is in the same way connecting a marketplace, but like I think it, in a way they don't provide enough. Like it's it's more logistics tooling than it is anything else, and I think that that to me is less tech and product forward than it is just like, you know, a tech uh, build out for that business. For sure, and I've always wondered about this. And if someone who's who's a listener has an opinion on this, I'd love to hear. It. Yeah, but is the instrumentality that DoorDash sort of delivers? different like that much like is it that much for for a restaurant like think of something like domino's pizza they've been doing delivery for years mm -hmm. is uh and they have a beautiful application now they yeah. have a really good product and to be honest their their share price is actually reflecting a lot of that right they've been able to to do fairly well um but does that make them a tech company? Yeah, and so it's it's a valid question uh, that that we're that we're starting to see. And the interesting thing is too is that a lot of these AI companies right now, they they're heavily dependent on manual label to label data. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, like, do they have a similar hurdle to cross? At least in the short term, I think the answer is yes. In the long term, they have sort of a flywheel that ideally sort of brings that labeling cost down. But it's also like an interesting question to sort of like just think about. Um, at what point do you sort of price in their labor costs going down the same way that you price the mm -hmm. economics of DoorDash or or whatever uh, getting better? Um, and it's 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 an interesting thing. And 
generally my, I guess maybe call it an old school mentality has always been you're a tech company. If you can deliver sort of software margins of kind of like, I think the range is like 60 to 80%. And if you can't, then you're probably not a tech company. And maybe that definition is going to shift now with time. Yeah, let's let's think of those margins a little bit too. Like, like why are those margins so wide for tech companies originally, right? Like, or, or I guess I shouldn't say originally, but like that original definition, like how that corresponds to that. Like, if I look at that, I think, okay, you have zero marginal cost to add new users. You have um, a product that will scale usage. I mean, that's the beauty of the internet, right? Yeah. Like, the, the internet allows you to do these things that are not uh, accomplished uh, in the physical world. For sure. So, food is physical. Uh, hotel accommodations are physical to some degree and like by there on out, like it's hard to have that high margin. Um, but the thing for Airbnb that always brings me back is like this disruption. And I do think that Airbnb disrupted the hell out of that industry. Right. I mean, I haven't seen anything even remotely close to that. Um, but food delivery, I mean, food delivery has been happening for, for a long time and, and people, including the companies that we listed earlier have been doing this for, for years. I mean, what, what are we looking at here? We're looking at, you know, back into the early, you know, 2010s, even, even before that. I mean, when I was in, when I was in school, I was looking at, um, you know, even some local players doing this as well. And so yeah, like that's not a new business. And usually it's, it's extremely hard to scale because like the unit economics, just, they aren't zero marginal, right. They're just additive. Yeah. I I just, uh, it's also just very interesting when you start to think about some of these multipliers, you start looking at the S and P like generally Mm -hmm. and you start to wonder like, you know, I I think I did this analysis recently and it was roughly, uh, you know, in the S and P you're, you're paying about 32 X like 12 month earnings. Think about that. The Airbnb sort of like situation is, is actually pretty tame, pretty normal. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it is, uh, you think about overall market dynamics and some things seem a little bit more reasonable in today's world that maybe would have been considered crazy, call it 10 years ago. Yeah, that old school mentality uh, of like what used to be investment, right? Which is dealt on PE ratios and like legitimate profit margins um, that are in the black, right? Um, If you had a company that was in the red, you know, you're in a, you're in a hurt state. Um, Now it's, people look at this as, you know, the gold rush. It is, technology is taking over and we don't see that going away anytime soon. And so there also not only is, is comfort in that, but there's comfort in looking back and saying, well, Actually, a lot of these companies have grown into the multiples that we have um, predicted. And a great example of that was Amazon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a company that was in, in the red for a long time and is also heavily operations-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their their sort of original thing was book selling, but luckily a lot of their online commerce is a supply chain problem. Mm-hmm. And they've managed to make it work. Granted, they've had some some help from things like AWS and and the whatnot, but you know, if you take that as an example, then maybe some of these things start to make a little bit more sense. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I love how we got all the way uh, to Amazon here. I, I, Amazon is, um, they were not a tech company for a long time. 
and Virtual. when they split out, yeah, when they split out AWS, like that turned a huge branch. I mean, I forget what the margin or what the um, overall percentage of, of profits is from AWS, but it's, it's something astronomical. Um, it's, I, I think it's like above thirty percent or something like that. Um, do you remember? I I don't remember specifically, but I do know this: AWS alone is basically a half a trillion dollar company. Yeah. Yeah. So like you have this, this tech, this literal tech infrastructure company that's, that's selling, you know, not, not a rack space necessarily physically, but virtually, right. You are getting cloud compute, you are getting data storage, you are getting, you know, the operations and you're building on the scale that Amazon has already perfected. Right. So you get all of that reliability, however many nines they have um, built in, they propped up their lower margin business on the profits from that company. Right. So that internal company, which I think is like, if you look at DoorDash, I don't, I don't see the same thing happening. Uh, I don't see there being this, this technology company that's propping up the the actual food delivery service. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's going to be interesting how to, how this plays out because I'm not sure I would have seen, uh, I guess I know this for a fact. I don't think I would have seen the Amazon today back in mm. like 2000. And you would have been a lucky person, had you? Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> for sure, I would have. I definitely would have been. Um, and so, like, maybe look, there's always a chance that you look at something and you're missing something. And that could be the case with 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 both of these IPOs. That's very true. And yeah. uh, so, I mean, I'm open to that certainly, but it's uh, it's just an interesting situation, and we're going to see how it plays out. Yeah, I think. Um pretty stark belief is needed in order for me anyway, to, to invest in, in a company with that kind of multiple and that kind of model. Um, but then again, like I've seen myself do other types of investments that uh, maybe were, you know, relying on a heavy multiple as well um, that ended up did, you know, ended up working out, but um, you know, I'm not a food delivery expert. So I think you're right to be open and ready for, for potential disruption in an area that we didn't foresee. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think we've, we've gone into a lot of these interesting questions around definition of a tech company. We've looked at the Airbnb IPO and the DoorDash IPO at a high level and sort of like how the market dynamics fit in. Um, yeah, you know, as, as we come to a close this week, Arun, I'm, I'm curious if you have any comments or, or any last thoughts, uh, on those topics. It, it just, I think the, the one dominating thought I've had, and I've said it before is that I think people are looking forward on Airbnb and, looking backward on DoorDash to some extent, and we'll see how that all plays out. Do you have any thoughts, Jake? Um, yeah, I just, I think the the definition of the tech company is gonna continue to linger in my mind. And I think it's really important for people to understand as they're uh, assessing different companies and their market value, what is the underlying um, business model and what is the technology you know that it's built upon. Um, if you see a disruptive and innovative company, um, that is, you know, trading at forward X number of revenue uh, multipliers, then, you know, you might be in a place where it does make sense because the technology itself is going to provide zero marginal cost um, improvements and increases to that business. Um, but I do think that as more ubiquity comes into uh, each industry, right, whether that's hotel industry, whether it's paper milling or logistics or whatever that is, like technology is going to continue to become a forerunner. And I think the definition of a technology company will continue to become perhaps less and less and just become more of the staple rather than the, the um, anomaly. So 
that's where my head's been. Um, but yeah, definitely, um, you know, thanks everyone for, for chatting with Arun and I. Uh, we've had a, a pleasure chatting with everyone um, and, and getting up to our first episode. And we're looking forward to having more of these come through. So uh, please listen in for the next episode coming out in, in two weeks from now. Um, in the meantime, feel free to contact Arun and I or even check out the Techonomics um, substack at techonomics.news. Uh, you can use that as well as the podcast at techonomics.news to uh, email us directly. So thanks, everyone. See ya. Cool.